podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Graves on Gridiron with Richard Graves. The 2023 NFL Draft will soon be upon us. Thursday night, Friday morning, UK time, the 27th of April, when the Carolina Panthers will be on the clock, having made a big off-season trade with the Chicago Bears to claim the number one overall pick. There's plenty of stories around this NFL draft, but one team who picks in the middle of the first round has had more going on this offseason than just about any others. That team is the Washington Commanders at the center of a takeover bid to the tune of $6.05 billion. That's the offer that has been accepted in principle from the Harris Group. If it's completed, it will mean the end of Dan Snyder's tenure as owner going back over 24 years. Welcome along to this Graves on Gridiron special, looking ahead to the NFL Draft with the Washington Commanders. Graves on Gridiron with Richard Graves. Well, welcome to the show. I am your host, Richard Graves, looking at the NFL Draft from a slightly different angle through the eyes of the Washington Commanders organization uh, on today's show. And when you speak about the Commanders, you need an insider, somebody that has been around the team, has lived, breathed and eaten Washington Commanders football over recent years. There is no better person for that job than my guest on today's show. What this man doesn't know about the Commanders, frankly, isn't worth knowing. So sit back and enjoy listening to my chat with NBC Sports Commanders insider, JP Finley. It has been a while but I guess you've been a busy guy over the last 12 months or so. There's been a heck of a lot going on in Washington. Yeah, you know, there's always a lot going on in Washington. Sadly, it's it's not playoff football, but there's always a lot going on here. And, and this is a, a, as busy as it's ever been. We're all kind of on pins and needles here in the city, just waiting for the sale to become official and and end the, the Snyder era, frankly. We're into single-digit days uh, to the draft, but we'll get on to that shortly you just mentioned the the potential takeover that's in the pipeline for the commanders I, I think it's three years ago now that we first spoke when this thing seemed to start rolling with the potential name change then of course there was uh, Mary Jo White's investigation which we still haven't um, had the results publicly uh, released yet at least anyway and now we seem to be it feels like the end game with, with Dan Schneider selling up um, the the team but even then over the weekend, First of all, you hear the Harris Group has got a, an agreement in principle. Then you see reports online that there might be other interested parties. Brian Davis is a name that that's crept up. It, is it the Harris Group now, or are we still thinking there might be a, a fly in the ointment somewhere along the way? I very much think it's the Harris Group. I, I've been reporting that since January. I, I think they had the inside track. Josh Harris owns Crystal Palace on your side of the pond, owns the Sixers and the Devils here in the NBA and the NHL, respectively. He grew up in the D.C. area. I mean, this guy no pros, knows pro sports. Um, there's another group uh, fronted by a Canadian billionaire, this dude named Steve Apostolopoulos, that some claim is still in the running, although – his money, he doesn't have the money that Harris has. And certainly Harris teamed up with this DC billionaire, Mitchell rails. And the two of them combined have significant, significant resources. Um, the Brian Davis thing you mentioned, I think is a, is a bunch of nonsense. Um, you know, there's a report that there's a, an offer, but nobody can validate where the money's going to come from. And if I know one thing about the NFL is all they care about is where the money's coming from. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's been 24 years that Dan Schneider's been in charge at the command, is it? Through various incarnations. It's not been the most fruitful period in Washington's history. I think just two playoff wins in in that that spell. Um, They're below 500 with a regular season record. And yet, it's astonishing the figures involved because he bought the team Back in 99, I think it was $800 million at the time, and we're talking in excess of $6 billion now for a team that, frankly, doesn't own its own stadium. Yeah, I, I mean, they own the stadium. It's just a dump. Um, it, it's funny. I always love talking with you because I feel like you can make awful things sound much more polite. The <laughs> the the Snyder era has been awful. Um, this is a team that was – Iconic across the NFL, iconic across the U.S., winning Super Bowls, winning playoff games, and they've won two playoff games in his tenure. One of them shouldn't even really count for him because he took over that team about halfway through the year. Um, It's been an abject disaster. When I was a child growing up in the D.C. area, they were the only thing that mattered in town. It was politics and Redskins football. Um, And and you look at what it is now, and and they've just – I mean, it's been a precipitous drop in a 10. I mean, any metric you look at, but then just the stuff you can't measure, the the vibes, the intangibles, the I, I have two little kids. And when I take them to the park, there's always kids running around wearing jerseys, um, wearing, you know, sports gear. And very rarely is it commander's gear. Some of that might be a product of a rebrand and everything else. But I, I think it's much more now. I don't want to let various coaches off the hook and various players off the hook because those those guys ultimately need to perform. But for 24 years, there's one constant. There's one person that's been here through all of it, and that's Dan, and the results have been awful. If you can, and I appreciate that there's an awful lot to, to go through here, sum up where we are with the sale of Washington because you, you know I was watching Good Morning Football earlier today, and even then they, they're, they're talking about it. Um, where we go, Pro Football Talk with Mike Florio. We're discussing it only last night here in the UK. And there seems to be a train of thought now that the ownership generally in the NFL wants this whole thing cleared up. And we've heard Roger Goodell, commissioner, say, well, he will publish um, the, the report as and when it's available from Mary Jo White. There seems to be a train of thought that that could take one of two guys as though, and you know, Mike Florio himself said on his program that he feels that maybe if Dan Schneider goes quietly, takes the money and sells, um, then it'll be a, a rather more favourable report that's at least publicly um, issued than if he protracts this thing out and it runs into the end of the summer, beginning of the fall. I, I don't know those answers, right? But to me, I. I don't think the NFL is doing this guy any more favors. I, I think the report's going to be the report. I mean, if you look at Mary Jo White and her track record, I don't think she's going to back off to get a deal done. I, I think all the allegations, all the improprieties, all the misconduct, all of it is awful. It's deplorable behavior. But what seems to have really made this thing start moving is money. And I think that's what the league is driven by. And we'll see. I think the Mary Jo White report will come out. Um, I think Adell, he was asked about it. I was in Arizona for the last league owners meetings. And he said, yeah, the report's coming out regardless of the sale. I believe that. Um, I I don't, I think this is about money now. I, they, Dan Snyder, 
if you look at it from his incredibly myopic viewpoint, has already ridden out the storm. I mean, he's already ridden out the Wilkinson report, all the post investigations. They've got like eight different lawsuits pending against them right now. This is about cash. And once the cash is right, especially if it's from this Harris group, one thing that I point out on my radio show a lot is the teams that run the NFL, at least the old school teams that run the NFL, are the Giants and the Steelers, the Roonies and the Maras. Um, and if you look at people that have been previous shareholders of the Pittsburgh Steelers, a lot of them later become NFL owners. David Tepper, Jimmy Haslam being two of the latest. Josh Harris is a minority shareholder in the Steelers. If you have the blessing of the Roonies, you've already been vetted by the league. That's where they want this thing to go. And everybody, I think, is playing it cool with Dan just so to try to eliminate some of his, you know, hijinks along the way. But I, I think this is cash. And I, I you can, perhaps it'll continue to twist in the wind for months and months. But I, I just feel like it's it's just so close that it'll get done. What will be the, the overriding feeling in, in D.C. and the surrounding Euphoria. area for somebody like you who, you know, covers the team um, day, day in, day out? Because it's... It, well, I'm not around the team, and I'll tell you over here, it feels like it's gone on and on and on. It's just a drip, drip, drip effect. So if you're in the, the heart of it, I've got to believe that there'll be a, a sense of relief. Relief, ecstasy, euphoria. I mean, people want to parade in the streets. My boss at the radio station told us we're not allowed to get the permits, so stop talking about it. So hopefully he doesn't listen to your program. Um, I, I drive a truck. I plan on p- putting... 200 beers in the back of my truck and parking in a parking lot and inviting people to come hang out. And we're just going to celebrate that. That's, I mean, that's the vibe, man. People want this done yesterday. They want to celebrate that it's done. They want to just move forward. Well, if you're going to move forward, you don't need to look too far. We've got the NFL draft just around the corner. You'll be all over that. Of course, Um, JP, I was, well, go back to last season and the amount of times I saw your, your game, reports uh, and the offensive line was a sieve on occasions quite frankly now to the credit the commanders have made moves in free agency to try and go some way to fixing that is that priority number one in next week's draft it's a good question so they added uh two presumed starters in right tackle andrew wiley and, and a new center and nick gates um both are Gates, it's a second contract. Wiley, it's a second contract. Both are young but veteran young players, probably both around 27-ish, something like that. Um, They have to solve left tackle of the future. I don't know that they're going to get that done in this draft. Charles Leno played fairly well for them for most of the year and then had a bad last month of the season. It's entirely possible he was playing with some sort of injury. Um, Their guard play was really bad. They think – They've solved at least the right side with with Gates at center, and then they're going to bump Sam Cosme inside, Wiley on the edge. The the left guard spot, they have veteran Andrew Norwell on the roster, but Ron Rivera at the owners' meetings was saying it's a it's a you know a, a job battle between two young guys that really haven't shown a heck of a lot in Sadiq Charles and Chris Paul. So, yes, they're going to address offensive line. I, I very much think that at 16, their priority is trading back. Um, unless one of these, which they did last year, didn't they? Right. I mean, the, the Panthers before and and the commanders now have a history of doing that. So it wouldn't surprise me at all. Um, unless one of these 
offensive line prospects that are kind of positionless in a way. Uh, nobody knows exactly what Peter Skaronsky from Northwestern is going to be. All of a sudden, people are saying he might be a guard. Um, Paris Johnson sure looks like a tackle. There's a big kid out of Tennessee people are excited about. Um, but I, a lot of people have like penciled them into uh, – the corner from Penn state at 16 and Joey Porter. <clears throat> I'm not, maybe I, I I think they'd love to move back and then stack up a bunch of picks, maybe in the top 75, as opposed to 16 and 47. Well, I was going to ask you about Joey Porter because before um, you, you joined us uh, this, this afternoon, I did look online and just took a gauge of very smoke drafts. Um, and if there was, a trend. It was Joey Porter at 16 to, to Washington. Charles Davis, uh, Rhett Lewis, uh, Bucky Brooks all go that way. Interestingly, Daniel Jeremiah um, and Peter Schrager have both looked towards tight end, which wasn't a position first up that I associated with, with the commanders in the first round. I can see the tight end thing. And, and I think some of that is based on you know, Eric Bieniemy coming over from Kansas City and the immense success they had in KC with Travis Kelsey. And and what I would caution there is, okay, they, they had Travis Kelsey, so their offense was heavily tight end influenced. But is that a chicken or an egg? It, was it because they had Kelsey? Or was it because they want to run everything through the tight end and run these various tight end sets? Logan Thomas, the veteran tight end here in D.C., um, for whatever reason, they really didn't make any cost-cutting moves prior to the new league year. There's a bunch of guys. I, I would start with Chase Ruye, their center that some have said might retire. There's a bunch of veteran guys on their roster carrying high cap numbers that they haven't done anything with. Maybe they're just going to roll that way. I kind of doubt it. Um, they have some intriguing young tight ends. John Bates is not a real dynamic player, but he's a good blocker. He's going to play in the NFL for 10 years. Armani Rogers, Cole Turner, they have some intriguing names there. But I, I've seen that too with Dalton Kincaid. A lot of people are excited about drafting kind of a dynamic player there. Um, between McLaurin, Dotson, Curtis Samuel, Antonio Gibson, Brian Robinson, they have a lot of good, really good, intriguing skill position players. And, and I'd don't know that going tight end at 16 is a move. That's another spot. I feel like you could kind of move down and and get the kid out of Notre Dame or something at 23. Um, I, I, I definitely think you can view tight end as a position of need, um, but it would require some other machinations. Like you're not going to draft a first round tight end and pay Logan Thomas 11 million bucks. Where are we at quarterback? Because – Obviously, Sam Howell came in for the Dallas game and turned a few heads in it in the process in a fairly impressive performance on the day. Um, it's meant to Tyler Heineken's now gone and joined the, the Falcons in, in free agency. Jacoby Brissett is the veteran quarterback on the roster now with the commanders. I, I know publicly that Ron Rivera said Sam Howell is going to compete for the QB1 job. Are the commanders sold on him or could we yet see a, an offseason move? It's funny, man, because locally people are sold. People want to give it a shot after Wentz and Fitzpatrick and Alex and, and just this litany of trying to go get other veteran quarterbacks. People are willing to ride with Howell. Um, I, I think Howell's Week 18 win over the Cowboys is a bit of a Rorschach test. You can look at it and see anything you want. I thought he was fairly impressive. He only had 11 completions. Um, he, he showed good quickness, good athleticism. He can run. 
but was he reading the pocket? I mean, you can look at that thing a million different ways. I, I think it's Hal's job to lose. That doesn't guarantee that he'll be the week one guy, but I'd, I'd put, you know, a significant stack that it is his job. And I think they signed Jacoby Brissett as a, all right, if this kid proves he's not ready, we can go to Jacoby and our season isn't over. So um, if, if Howell kind of barfs on his shoes throughout training camp, then I I, I think Brissett will get the job. He's lean, He's learning a new offense. So is Jacoby, but Jacoby's learned a lot of NFL offenses in his career. He might be able to pick it up sooner. But Sam's a, Sam's a tough, hardworking young man that I am intrigued to see what happens. Um, but it's funny. So locally folks are in nationally here. I think people question it and it, it seems like internationally people aren't ready to ride with the, the Sam Howell train here. Well, he, he had a, a fair amount of, of talk and hype about him going into last year's draft. Didn't he? I think there was some character um, flags against his name, but certainly he, he didn't do himself any harm in that week 18 win over the Cowboys. But you look at the NFC East in context as well. Every team was, uh, at least at 500. Um, you know, the Giants finished third and you were only a, a game back in Washington and the Giants went on to win a, a wildcard game. So th- there's a lot at stake here. Yeah. the I mean, great season for the NFC East. It's uh, the Eagles just, you know, getting that Hurts contract done. I don't think they're going anywhere. They lost some pretty big pieces defensively, but how he has proved the ability to kind of retool that thing. Um I don't know. I don't know about the Giants, man. I don't know how much of that was smoke and mirrors. They played really good defense. They had a really good D-line. I, I'm not sure how much I buy Daniel Jones, but that contract that looked so onerous when they got it done, when you really boil the numbers down, doesn't look that bad. He's probably going to be about the 11th paid quarterback in the NFL. Cowboys are the Cowboys. And there's an out for the Giants in that contract as well, yeah. isn't there? Yeah. Um, Cowboys are good. I you know, I don't know what Dallas is. I don't know if they're enough to beat Philly. I don't, I'm not a big Mike McCarthy guy. I, 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 I they're, they're certainly a good football team. I, I think it's fair to assume Washington, especially with the quarterback questions would be the fourth team in the NFC East right now. But one thing we know about the NFC East is it's volatile. You haven't had a repeat winner since my boy B Mitch was playing in 2002 and 2003, I think. Um, so, I mean, if the Commanders don't blow it against the Browns week 17 last year, they could have put all four teams in the playoffs. So, um, I, I, I'm i not – obviously, they got a lot riding on Hal, and the problem with NFL defenses is that it tends to be relative, not luck-driven because if you're a good defense, you're a good defense, but, like – Turnover differential often hit swings on how an oblong leather ball bounces. You know what I mean? And, and that can just dictate a season. So this defense was elite in 2020, really fell off in 21, went back to elite in 22. What happens in 23? And then if, if the defense is back where they were last year, if they can play at that same level and Howell – People are like, oh, my God, how can you roll with Sam Howell? I don't think people watched the Carson Wentz-Taylor Heineke season last year because it was pretty damn bad. (laughs) Certainly Um, not as closely as you did. Yeah. So I'm ready to see what Howell has. 
And we haven't even mentioned Chase Young. It's a big year for him, his fourth year of his pro career. And first time in a couple of years now, he's going to be fully healthy, all being well going into the new season. Um, let's just quickly close on next week's draft then, JP. Um, glean for us, if you can, one thing to, to watch out for with the commanders where when they're on the clock. Assuming they don't trade back, um, what would make you and everybody in the, that D.C. area happy? I mean, what will make the people here happy? Who knows? Um, <laughs> yeah, Dan selling the team is the only thing that will make people here happy. Um, but I, I would say to expect the unexpected. Um, I think this draft is a pretty wide open one anyway. I think it's – I. You know, the, the personnel people I've talked to say nobody really knows what's going to – people don't know what's going to happen at one, let alone two, let alone five, let alone ten. So you get to the middle at 16. I mean, what if Skaronsky falls? Then I think they make a move, right? Um, I If you look back at the last two years, last year they traded back, got Dotson. Um, that wasn't widely expected. Two years ago, they took Jamin Davis at 19. That wasn't widely expected, especially Jeremiah Awosu Kemaroa was there at 19, um, ended up playing really well for the Browns. So I I would say expect the unexpected. I, I This staff really values secrecy in these situations. Um, Ron is old school in that way. He's kind of paranoid that everybody's going to try to like hack his phone or whatever. So I, I, I I think anybody predicting what's going to happen at 16 is a little bit full of it, frankly. Well, as always, JP Finley, I greatly appreciate your time. Uh, for the folks that aren't familiar with your work, where can they find you? Sure. Uh, Twitter and Instagram at JP Finley, MBCS, Finley spelled with an A. And we're doing radio and TV and podcasts and all sorts of stuff here in D.C. And Brian Mitchell certainly has an opinion or two to share as well, doesn't he? Not? B. Mitch, say hi. Say hi to England, B. How you doing? <laughs> there he is. Live, folks. Uh, catch up with JP and Brian whenever you can. Um, JP, great chatting as always. And, yeah, we'll look forward to seeing what happens with the commanders off the field in the coming weeks and certainly in next week's NFL draft. Thank you, Richard. Always good to catch up, man. Well, as you heard from JP there, certainly everybody around the Commanders looking forward to having the ownership issue resolved, certainly in time for next season. Uh, they would hope by the time they kick off, they want that put to bed. And also looking forward to next week's draft. Uh, speaking of the upcoming season, the schedule for that will be released at the beginning of May by the NFL. I will be returning with a Graves on Gridiron special for that as well as we take a deeper dive into the schedule and the games that leap out at you off the paper as early as it is um, in the calendar looking ahead to next season. But for now, all eyes are focused on Kansas City, the 2023 NFL Draft next week. Remember, as always, you can hit me up on Twitter at RichardGraves1, on Instagram, RDGMediaUK. I always love reading and hearing your thoughts on whatever topic around the NFL it might be and getting into some of the issues um, involved with those as well. Look at Looking ahead to next week's draft, I can't wait. I hope you're looking forward to it as well. But for now, thanks for joining us. It's a pleasure as always. So long, everybody. Subscribe to Graves on Gridiron wherever you listen to podcasts. And keep up to date with the latest on Twitter. Search for Richard Graves 1. That's Richard Graves, the number one. Sports Social Podcast Network.